Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In the 1940s, the US invented the television, the atomic bomb, and silly putty. But none of these things were as exciting, as influential, or as dangerous, with the possible exception of silly putty, as another 1940s US invention, the teenager. This new type of human was young, wild, and rebellious. They disdained society and shunned authority. At least, that's what film and TV said. And we all know that popular culture is the only record of note. The US was in uproar, a country was facing collapse, again, according to pop culture. Yet there was one thing more terrifying to America than a wild young rebel with nothing to lose. A wild young rebel who was a woman. Hellcats in tight pants, thrill-hungry sensation-seekers. Girls who learn the naked facts of life too young. Running in packs, hunting down any girl who dares defy their jungle code. Hello and welcome to the BFI podcast. I'm Henry. And I'm Anna. And this episode, we'll be digging into another cinema genre that we have potentially just invented for the sake of this podcast, the girl gang film. This week sees the UK release of Assassination Nation, written and directed by Sam Levinson. Yes, that's a man. Yes, that's a cisgender white man. But let's not hold that against him just yet. But before that, what have you discovered this weekend? I've discovered, actually, my partner's discovered the curious creations of Christine McConnell. Have you heard about this? No. It's on Netflix. It is amazing. It's The Muppets meets Great British Bake Off. I love it already. And she is this Instagram star who's kind of into her goth stuff. I'm and sold. she makes cakes that are gothic. She stitches dresses that are kind of gothic themed. She does things around the house like, you know, arts and crafts that are all gothic themed with horror. But watching her while she does this stuff to camera hotcha, hotcha. is a Randy Raccoon puppet called Rose who has a fork for a hand a giant werewolf, whose name I forget, and a cat that is from the Egyptian Sphinx era and was worshipped as a god and now has come back as a mummified being. And then in the mirror of her bedroom, there's Dita Fontis as this ghost who occupies her mirror. She finds beauty in the art of darkness with each creation and shares them with us, the unusual creatures she has taken into her home. I can't remember the last time we had a normal meal around here. You think this meal is normal? That is spectacular. Uh, sugar. Once this cools down, we'll be ready to carve a face. I used royal icing in a piping bag. Oh, I get it. What part can I help with? <laughs> 
pretty little princess. Don't wait up. This is our home, and it's a place where the strange and unusual are safe and welcome. It's an incredible mix of is comedy. Is this a human being that I can marry? Christine is amazing and she's my brand new crush. Um, considering my partner did, you know, introduced her to me, that is a bit unfortunate. But there you go, that's life. That's nice. But get to the wax! It's comedy, it's horror, it's DIY show, it's bonkers, it's brilliant. To be honest, I feel kind of ashamed because I feel like that should have been my discovery because <laughs> it sounds tailor-made for me. <laughs> What have you discovered? <laughs> well, from one Christine to another, I've actually been listening to a lot more music than I usually do. And I've discovered a new album by Christine and the Queens called Chris. And she's a sort of a French pop star and has made this really, really fun, well-made sort of electropop album that I've been really indulging with during a very, very busy period in my life right now. Is it and cinematic? I've- a lot of musicians are going for cinematic these days. Well, her music videos certainly are cinematic. I think she's got this really androgynous vibe going on, very much in the vein of sort of early garbage, I think. And I've also been, from one androgynous front woman to another, I've been re-listening a lot to the yeah, yeah, yes, and kind of indulging and watching um, Karen O in old, um, in some of their older music videos as well. I'm resisting the urge to sing. Please do. I can't. Please do. I won't. It's the brand. You need to do it though. <laughs> Every episode you need to sing a song. Pete's going to play a little bit of the yeah, yeah, yes, bang. <laughs> Right, on to Assassination Nation and the Girl Gang film. My name is Lily Coulson and I'm 18 years old. These are my three best friends, M, Bex, and Sarah. And this is the story of how my town, Salem, lost its mind. let's start at the beginning. We'll delve into what makes or breaks a girl gang film in a minute, but definitely the latest installment and probably the most in-your-face film entry into the genre is Assassination Nation, which premiered at the BFL London Film Festival this past October as the Cold Gala and is an extremely violent satire of American politics, masculinity and privacy in the age of social media. It stars a quartet of short-swearing, monologue-delivering, ultra-woke teenage girls who become embroiled in a hacking scandal in their suburban but definitely not quiet town of Salem. Yes, as in that Salem, Mm. the witch hunt trial Salem. You know, it's very on the nose, but yet I absolutely adored it. To help us break down what makes a girl gang film, we've distilled the genre into four key ingredients. A look, a performance, a space, and a soundtrack. I guess your generation is a little desensitized. Anna, what's the look and how does Assassination Nation fit up to that look? So all of girl gang films, since the genre kind of emerged in the 1950s, have a very 
clear use of iconography. And Assassination Nation, God, that's hard to say (laughs) many times in a row, really makes use of ultra-patriotic American imagery. And I'm thinking not just of the red, blue, and white flag, but also of military imagery, of the high school iconography, of the iconography even of what makes an all-American girl as well, and sort of perverts it and twists it on its head to present a more socially conscious commentary on what it means to be a young man, what it means to be a woman, what it means to be an American in 2018. You're right. And that kind of thing goes back way back to things like, I'm thinking about Greece with the pink ladies and their kind of matching baseball jackets. And then it gets increasingly corrupted and perverted until you get to things like Marilyn Manson's music videos, where you have the American football game played by these skeletal style figures. And in Assassination Nation, they've What's the uniform exactly? It's kind of like hot pants and day glow tops, but then you have bits with cheerleaders in that are kind of doing these weird slow motion dystopia dances and the American flag being used as very much a kind of banner of hate rather than of dignity and unity and of dreams as it's supposed to be. Yeah, it really you... perverts what the American dream is supposed to look like in a not particularly new way, I have to say, but it does it very effectively. It does, and it kind of really challenges it as well through a lot of exposition and through characters kind of directly addressing the audience as well and challenging kind of the all-American uh, righteousness that's projected onto not just the youth, but it kind of onto people in general. So basically setting an expectation and a standard that it's impossible to reach and sets everyone up to fail, particularly young women, but not just just them. Dude, the principal got hacked. I'll give him like five days before he commits suicide. I'm sorry, I just don't have any sympathy for people that get hacked. For real? There's two types of people in this world. People that have come to terms with privacy is just dead. Then there's the old people that are still trying to fight it. What do you have to hide anyway, Lil? A million nudes, super gross porn history, and like super pervy texts about almost everyone at this school. Me too. Me three. But it does use a lot of sort of the teenage imagery. And I think also it uses a lot of Instagram imagery and a lot of the kind of looks and feels and languages that exist on social media that maybe did not exist when, um, you know, Mean Girls or The Craft or Mm. Jawbreaker were coming out. That lingo was created. What is your damage, Heather? Don't blame me. Blame and Heather. if we think about Heather's, it kind of circumvented that because it created a language and a look and a feel that was entirely its own by design so that it would not be dated because it never existed in the first place. Oh, very. Whether you could argue that maybe in 10 years' time, the hashtag talk and the Instagram filters and the sort of, you know, iPhone filming of party scenes will look extremely dated, but will also be a capsule of its time. So the girls, the kind of coordinate of characters that lead Assassination Nation are basically different archetypes of Instagirls that have been transplanted into cinema, but they're allowed to have personalities and character arcs and speak for themselves and challenge this sort of square notion of what a teenage girl is supposed to be or behave like. Is that a conscious decision by the director and the writing team to make them characters that you would recognise from social media? I don't want to prescribe kind of what creative intentions they had. I know that all the cast, the cast of young actresses that lead the film did have quite a lot of creative input into the um, into the writing process of the film. So, you know, I made a joke earlier that it's written and directed by a cisgender white man, but it, it does have a lot of um, creative contributions from its leads in order, I think, to make it more teenage-like, basically, mm. because it's very usual for filmmakers or for anyone, really, to prescribe a certain type of attitudes or personalities or 
for goals and desires to teenagers and teenage girls in particular, but not really listen to them. So I think Sam Levinson did really involve his actors and actresses into the process. We're bringing all you bitches to justice. Who knows? Maybe I'll get pissed off and fight back. And the idea of a uniform really comes into its own towards the end of the film. And we are going to spoil things here, I'm afraid. But uh, It's not really a spoiler because it's on the poster. It's on the poster. They end up as a literal Warriors style gang, right? Like the Lizzie's in the Warriors. And they end up wearing these red capes with baseball bats. And they go on a rampage, essentially. They wear these really striking red kind of fall leather coats. Mm. So that becomes kind of their revenge uniform or their sort of coven uniform in a way. And there's a couple of shots throughout the film that very much focuses on their feet. So kind of seeing them walk together in unison, the four girls. And it's done several times throughout the film and it starts off with these really sort of girlish you know boots and socks types of approach when they walk into the high school and then it ends up with them being bloodied up in like Doc Martin boots and like the red leather coats completely covered in blood kind of also walking in unison but into basically warfare as opposed to a high school. It's interesting that they adopt that uniform altogether as well whereas in some of the examples that you've already mentioned and one that you recommended to me Jawbreaker there is essentially an ingenue character who is new to the gang and played like Lindsay Lohan in Mean Girls and then I'm afraid I forgot the actor's name in Jawbreaker. I want to say Judy Greer. Judy Greer, yeah. But um, they're very much not in that uniform until they're part of the gang. Whereas in this, it feels like the power dynamics between the four girls is, or four women is is much less distinct because they all make the decision to wear the clothes together. If you know. And I think what makes this film different from those other examples is, and I'm thinking as well of The Craft, where there's the ingenue kind of who is new to the gang yeah. of girls and effectively needs to be adopt their uniform, be that the sort of teenage 90s goth style from The Craft or the sort of mid-2000s mean girls. Mm -hmm. In this case, when we meet them all, they're all equals. They're all friends. They all are not the same at all, but they're on the same vibe. They're hanging out with the same people. Not that they dress alike, but they're kind of all in the same scene. There's not one of them that's a sort of more prudish nerd compared to the other three party girls. They're all on the same level. So that already makes it different. There is no break in the friendship. The friendship between them is always strong, and that's what kind of holds them together and why it's also so refreshing to spoiler alert at the end see them persevere i live for this type of scandal to be honest looks like half of salem just got hacked (laughs) there's nothing anybody can do to get these videos down unfortunately sir it's uh very difficult to stop the internet when 17,000 people's texts and emails get leaked people get really weird Who sees a naked photo of a girl and their first thought is, yo, I gotta kill this girl. Where do you think you're going, Lily? Way more people than you'd think. Okay, we're moving on to performance. And we've already mentioned this a little bit in terms of social media and how you show the world who you are. But there's a real conscious and unconscious level of these women having to 
live up to certain expectations around them and when they don't and they're not the ones that are allowed to judge if they live up to them or not when society judges that they haven't then there is literally violent retribution exactly and um the film i think one of the most interesting themes that it tackles is about performing femininity but particularly and this is more the underlying thing about it although it does flash this in big bold letters <laughs> right at the beginning of the film it's actually about performing masculinity yeah. and what it means to be a man when you're faced with women speaking up women being really open about every element of their lives and kind of what expectations are now placed on men and how that can create extremely fragile male egos and kind of mob mentality so tell me about what it means to be a man in 2000 <laughs> 2018, Henry. How does this film make you feel? Baseball bat wielding <laughs> a misogynist, I can tell you. Um, no, this film, I think I had some issues with the film, but the, the, the film, the way it really worked was a, a, like a great satire of, of Trump's America. And also, you know, in the times we're in, any satire actually feels way too close to the truth to be truly comfortable, really. Um, it opens with an incredible montage of trigger warnings for various issues that it's going to show. And among them is masculinity. and um, toxic masculinity. Toxic masculinity. Is, you know, fragile male egos. Pardon, fragile male egos. Uh, tick and tick. Um, <laughs> but what it does really well is create this kind of gang atmosphere of men assuming that they are the judges of women and that if women are found to be guilty of not matching up to their verdict of what a woman should be, then they're going to be um, consigned to the graveyard, essentially. And how these women fight back against that is seen as almost cartoonish and a little warriors-esque, but it has to be to make sense in the satire that they build. This is your world. You built this. Don't take your hate out on me. I just got here. You may kill me, but she can't kill us all. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. 
Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's not on the nose. It's right through the face in terms of being a satire of Trump's America and how the modern political system in America is built. There's an amazing scene where the principal of the school that they go to has to stand up in front of a crowd, in front of a news conference to explain why he's taking pictures of his kids naked when his kids are like six and four. It's, you know, it's completely innocent. But the small town of Salem takes this to be paedophilia, takes Mm -hmm. it to be abuse of those children. And he does the in the end, fatal thing of trying to reason with people and trying to compromise with people, which in Trump's America is a complete no-no because as soon as he shows any kind of grey area or reasonable doubt, the mob will take him down. And this film is all about that, that you can only meet violent, one-sided thinking with violent, one-sided thinking. And it's depressing because of that, but it's an incredible satire as well. The New York Times is reporting that a Trump administration plan could erase the definition of transgender. To roll back protections for transgender people. This is just the latest attack on several Obama policies that expanded protections against sex discrimination Donald to cover Trump gender once again moving to like bar transgender troops from serving in the U.S. military. Breaking news, President Trump banning transgender people from serving in the U.S. military. He made the somewhat surprise announcement in a series of tweets. It is a really strong portrayal of mob mentality and how quickly it can shift and also how particularly the young men, so the teenage guys in the film, how they can not just consider themselves judges and executioners of women, but also of themselves. So there's one character who sleeps with a a trans girl and when they find out, they decide that he needs to be punished for some reason because for some reason he's somehow betrayed their... The brohood. The brohood. And they really, in one very, actually really scary scene, they rile each other up over something that has nothing to do with them, that affects them in no way, that has harmed no one. They rile themselves up into a frenzy and effectively go to torture him and then torture the girl that he had uh, the encounter with when they eventually are taken down kind of one by one by the girl gang of the film. When it, there's just one of them left, that mob mentality disappears because it's not just about the individual. It's about this frenzy that they can whip themselves into and create a sense of righteousness and a sense of being allowed to or being demanded to by some sort of higher power, be that, you know, being American being supporters of a particular political party or president or supporters of a religion or a righteous cause of some other sort, they're demanded to respond by society. And that's what the film challenges, is the fact that you're creating rules that you cannot abide by and then people go crazy trying to stick by them. Totally. It's the dark side of the pact in American Pie, basically, or something like Porky's, where Male bonding is based around the idea of all measuring up to each other's measure of success. And that if you don't succeed in those terms, then you are ultimately a failure, not just to yourself, but to all of manhood. And I think that's a really, really... brilliant. Thank you. That's absolutely (laughs) on point. I'll take it. (laughs) That's the first time I've ever said that. (laughs) No, I'm evolving. Um, That's a really uh, poignant thing for America at the moment. It's not just you disagree with me. It's you are being un-American or you are being unmasculine. And those two things in the Trump era for a particular type of Trump supporter are the worst crimes that you can commit. And that is, again, where the film hits home. 
In the same way as, you know, being unladylike mm, totally. is a crime in and of itself. So this film really challenges what expectations are placed both on men and women. That's interesting because in something like Mean Girls or an earlier film, I would argue that the whole sorority thing was that you weren't girly enough or pretty enough or wore the right clothes to meet the gang. And then the new people to that gang always had to convert themselves into something that's more feminine and more acceptable. Okay, you should just know that we don't do this a lot. So this is like a really huge deal. We want to invite you to have lunch with us every day for the rest of the week. Oh, it's okay. Coolness. So we'll see you tomorrow. On Wednesdays, we wear pink. Oh my god. Okay, you have to do it, okay? And then you have to tell me all of the horrible things that Regina says. Regina seems sweet. Regina George is not sweet. She's a scum-sucking road horse. She ruined my life. She's fabulous, but she's evil. Hey, get out of here. Oh my god, Danny DeVito, I love your work. Why do you hate her? What do you mean? Regina, you seem to really hate her. Yes. What's your question? Well, my question is, why? Regina started this rumor that Jenna's- Damien! Shall we not? Now, look, this isn't about hating her, okay? I just think that it would be like a fun little experiment if you were to hang out with them and then tell us everything that they say. What do we even talk about? Hair products! Ashton Kutcher. Is that a band? Would you just do it, please? Okay, fine. Do you have anything pink? Yes. Oh. So one of the other recurring elements of the girl gang film is the girl space, which tends to be the bedroom, the bathroom. They tend to be kind of enclosed spaces where it's effectively girls only and they can be by themselves and they feel secure and safe and allowed to speak their minds, speak freely and speak amongst themselves without fear of being spied on or corrected or chastised in any way. Assassination Nation has its best scenes, actually, when it's just the four girls talking to each other. So usually that's in the bedrooms or the bathroom is used several times, both as a space of safety, particularly for the lead character, Lily. Um, And, you know, she uses her own personal bathroom in her house and in her high school to have those moments of solitude where she grapples with everything that starts going on around her. She has a boyfriend and she also has a sort of texting affair with an older man who's married with kids. So all of those things we see going on in the bathroom when she's by herself. There's also a really violent scene that kind of invades that space and turns it into something violent and bloody. And she needs to make her way out of it as well, which inverts that trope quite significantly and in a really obvious way as well, to be honest. Do you think that shows up in every single Gurgaon film that we've watched? Pretty much. I mean, I feel like Beyond Clueless, the film that kind of took apart the American teen genre, must have had, I don't remember, but it must have had a a montage of bathroom scenes and confessionals in bathrooms because every girl gang film I can think of has one of those moments. I mean, it's interesting looking at cars in particular because in the 1950s they would have been the private spaces where you were getting it on with somebody and now they're kind of seen as these confessional boxes instead. And then the bathroom is a similar thing really that you're right, it's the one place where all the women can be private together. I think this film tears that apart as well, though, because there's a betrayal of that contract in a number of cases. So there's one where one of the character's friends posts nudes of her online, and online is the space where that betrayal happens, right? So you can share things with anybody, but if they then put it into the public forum and make it available to all, that space isn't safe anymore. 
In fact, it's interesting you mentioned the online space because actually that's the space that Assassination Nation deals with more than anything else. It's this ephemeral cloud where they all exist, but they don't feel safe and they're not actually themselves. So they need to separate themselves and present themselves in a certain way online, on social media, when they're communicating or texting or whatever with other people and how they really are in the intimacy of a bedroom, a car, a bathroom or whatever it is. So this separation, this duality is the thing that then effectively becomes the center of the conflict when they collide and the hacking scandal that takes over Salem exposes people's other lives, be that dressing up in lingerie and taking racy pictures, or be that texting with somebody else's husband, or be that just images of someone's children. And every single leak is transformed into something inherently negative. I don't usually stand films that talk about the internet because I feel like it's that Frank Zappa thing of dancing about architecture. But I do really like how they use it here in that it is a real modern parable of the crucible in Arthur Miller in that instead of putting these women up on a pedestal and saying, confess, you're a witch and tell us who everybody else is who's a witch, the hacking is the way that they lose control of that. So your private life is instantly accessed and disseminated to everybody. And that is the witch hunt, if you like, is that online version, which would happen, I think, you know. Oh my God, I love this song. What song? This song. And we're on to the soundtrack, which is one of my favourite bits always. I think the soundtracks in girl gang films typically tend to be amazing because they highlight music you wouldn't normally see in mainstream cinema. So you get people like Veruca Salt or Slater Kinney or Bikini Kill, very cool indie bands. Female and Miley led. Cyrus. And Miley Cyrus. <laughs> Female-led cool music that we should all hear more of, but they only really get their due in these kind of films because they're seen, I guess, as in line with the cool, alternative, mildly aggressive thing that we want these characters to look like. Do you think there's a boy version of this sort of cultish, off-kilter soundtrack appeal in teenage or gang films that are more centred on or targeted towards male viewers? Yeah, I think there is, but it's skate punk essentially. It's Blink-182, it's Your Less Than Jake's, it's Matt Damon acting as a punk singer in, was it Road Trip Euro or Trip. Euro, Euro Trip? Yeah, yes. Scotty doesn't know. Look it up on YouTube if you haven't heard it. It's kind of astonishing. I love that um, Euro Trip has come up on this podcast. And I, I'm so excited. <laughs> finally. And I really, really like that music. I have a very nostalgic feeling for a lot of that music. And, I, you know, it, it's close to my heart. But that was the mainstream at the time. That was definitely what everybody was hearing and everybody was listening to if you were a teenager in the late 90s, early noughties. It wasn't hard to find Blink-182 on any number of adverts or compilations. It was quite tricky to find Bikini Kill and it was certainly a cool gang of kids, including myself, who were listening to Slater Kinney at my school. So I really like that these films that would have skirted the mainstream or even hit the mainstream, Minga slightly later, but definitely Clueless, were introducing you to female Guitar, mainly guitar-based acts that were alternative and saying something about the world as well. If you listen to a lot of Kathleen Hanna's lyrics, for example, she's talking about feminism and talking about the issues that these films are at least obliquely addressing. 
And do you think assassination does that with off-kilter music of 2018? I have no idea because I have no idea what's in right now. We're both looking at each other mystified. The soundtrack to this film sounded great, but I have no idea what it means to the characters because I have no idea what it means to me. And I don't think it's aimed at us, to be aside, honest, in our first Absolutely. Not, you know. And aside from the marching band cover of Miley Cyrus's <laughs> We Can't Stop, which is absolutely fucking epic... Aside from that, I could not recognize a single song, which I guess makes them cool because it's not really aimed at us. It's not aimed at us, but it should still speak to us, I guess, as mm -hmm. any good film should. And, you know, I'm not a massive fan of this film. I did like elements of it. I worry that some of the bits that I'm not a fan of are because I'm too old for it. And that is my cross the bear, poor me. Do you think there is an element of forced coolness in not just an assassination nation, but in the majority of these films of basically saying what it means to be a cool teenager in a particular moment of time? Yeah, there's but there's an element of forced coolness in being a teenager, right? That's the whole point that you are constantly building your image and trying to work out who you are and presenting that to other people as the genuine you. And then, yes, on top of that. It's made by Hollywood. It's made by people who are funding it, who want to see something that they recognize on screen. So they're going to say, how about you include this? Because this is how I feel teenagers are. I don't remember really what te being a teenager was like very much. It was confusing, but that doesn't make a good film. So people who finance these films, people who get them out into the world, I think definitely have an impression of how they should look. And that can play in quite oddly at times and quite interestingly in terms of how those teenage and teenagers and those girl gangs are shown. And all of the things that we've really talked about feel extremely American yeah. in its politics, in its looks, in the sort of language they use, not just in kind of the superficial setting, in the soundtrack that they use as well. It's Definitely. not very international if we dig into it. Do you think it's a solely American genre? I think it's primarily an American genre, but then teenagers are primarily an American invention, as we talked about at the top. I mean, what do you think? Can you think of a British or other? We tried. Yeah. We tried. And I can't think of one. And this is to, to our shame. But I'd be really curious to see what other kind of... I know a couple of French girl gang films, which is interesting, but I can think of a single British one. I can think of things like... The in-betweeners for boys. The history boys. The history boys. I think something like As If. That was, mm -hmm. do you remember As If? That was Channel 4 in the late 90s, I think. But they had, it was mostly, no, it was free women, free men. But it felt like it was driven a lot by the female plot points and felt to me like a girl gang TV show. And it plugged into the music and the look of the time and the issues that would have been facing them. So I think that is the closest that British culture gets really to these girl gang films. Otherwise, it is really an American playing field. I'd be super curious to see if anybody can come up with any British girl gang movies for us to watch. That's your task for this episode, Twitter. That's it for this episode. Assassination Nation is out in the UK now. Please rate, review, subscribe to the podcast on your podcast provider of choice. And let us know what you think of the show directly by yelling at us on Twitter. I'm Henry H. Barnes and Anna. I'm on Anna Be Demented. We're hosted by Acast. Our head girl, aka producer, is Peter Sale. More of Pete's work at petersale.co.uk. We'll be back in a couple of weeks. Last episode, I sang my little heart out with only an ounce of shame. But even I can't deliver this last line with any kind of conviction. So over to you, Anna. Be hashtag blessed. <laughs> You're an old fan. <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you don't deserve to be hashtag blessed. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.